0: From BossTrack, it's Her Hype Squad, a show about amazing women who've made incredible strides as leaders in their industry. They're here to support you and your leadership growth, to encourage you and hype you up as part of your hype squad. Hello, and welcome back to a new episode of Her Hype Squad with BossTrack. I'm your host, Michelle Harris. This week, I talk with Andrea Shakin on flexing communication, Securing buy in, being open with failures, and empathy a concept Andrea developed and will tell us more about. Andrea has so much great leadership experience and advice to share, but before we get into the conversation, let me tell you a little bit about Andrea. Andrea Shaken is a leader in business development, partner relationship management, loyalty, CRM, and customer experience and engagement. She is the director of partner onboarding at Air Miles. Canada's largest loyalty program. Previously, she has held roles at Quark Expeditions, Staples Canada, Mr. Lube Canada, Royal Bank of Canada, and Hudson's Bay, where she has led business development, digital transformations, CRM, and content marketing initiatives, and loyalty and engagement product and program development. She is an author, speaker, and podcast guest, panelist and consultant and she volunteers as a career mentor with newcomers to canada through culture link if you enjoy my conversation with andrea be sure to subscribe to our channel and help more people find us by sharing this episode with others or by leaving a review or subscribe to our weekly newsletter filled with things we found that we're excited about and were inspired by along with valuable leadership advice to watch listen to or read it's a little bit of joy for your inbox each monday you can subscribe at thebosstrackcom forward slash weekly joy. Now without further delay, let's get into my conversation with Andrea Shakin. Hi, Andrea, thank you so much for joining us on the Her Hype Squad with Boss Track podcast. We're so excited to, uh, or I'm so excited to talk to you.
1: I'm thrilled to be here, Michelle. Thank you so much.
0: You have such extensive experience, and I'm sure we're going to be able to pull a lot of great advice for for everyone to hear. I'd love for you, we did provide your bio before we got on here. If you could tell the audience a little bit about yourself in your own words, that would be a great way to start.
1: It's a pleasure. Uh, I need to tell you first and foremost that I studied English literature for a really long time. I have two degrees in English literature which means I love words and sometimes I make them up which is something that uh, I think we might actually talk a little bit about today but I've had a number of years in loyalty, CRM, client engagement and partnerships But a kind of interesting common theme that I'm still working on trying to find a way to really bring out in my resume is that I've found I end up in roles or go for roles that are newly created so you know when you're looking at a job description this is newly created role that's a theme for me and the associated theme is that I get to build things which I've found I love doing so a new process or a new uh, program or a new practice and so that's really become part of my day-to-day what drives me what I think about and and again it's kind of hard to put that into your resume but, but I think it's really important for me to share that about myself because there's some things that I've gotten to learn along the way that might be useful to other people and also I'm here to say it's not too scary and, and because I love words I've done a lot of writing so I use that as my way to kind of communicate or, or explain or understand even for myself. I was lucky even to co-author a book about women traveling especially for business and and how empowering that is and what you learn from that and i'm trying to pick up all the things i learn in various contexts and apply them every day so that's another thing that i think might be kind of interesting if if anyone's interested to look at it it's called nomads it's on amazon and it was incredibly fun to write if anyone ever asks you do you want to write part of a book i would always suggest agree to do it
0: oh definitely and i would definitely say yes if it was a couple people doing it. I know it can be a little daunting authoring something on your own, but I'm sure it makes it a, a little, you know, a better process.
1: Yes. It was a little bit lighter work, but a lot more fun.
0: Yeah. Yes. I, I can see I can see that. So do you uh are you a nomad yourself or do you just find opportunities?
1: I'm not really a nomad myself. I look for and find opportunities. Since the pandemic, there have been far fewer. I'm itching to get back out again. I had a role a few years ago where I was traveling about 25% of the time, and I actually loved it. It gave me a bit of a, not necessarily a mental break, but a mental change, and Mm -hmm. it kept me, I would say, a little bit more on my toes. I was a little bit. I would say a bit more curious. And I was meeting people from different places a little bit more. So I'm hoping to do that again. But but business mm-hmm. travel for me is actually not the slog that everybody says it is. It's something I quite enjoy because of that mental break. I, my mom always says a change is as good as a rest. So I guess it applies mm-hmm. uh, even to business travel.
0: Yeah. So it's something we have in common because I always enjoyed business travel myself. So
1: <laughs> I mean, waiting at the airport for many hours is not always fun. But sometimes you get to talk to people you wouldn't have met otherwise. So I try to I try to look at it in that light if I can.
0: Yeah, so true. And great people watching too.
1: <laughs> Definitely.
0: <laughs> well, I'd love to start out by asking you, like what leadership qualities do you believe are most important to leaders?
1: The best leaders that I have had and the ones that I try to emulate are the ones who have had a real interest and focus on communication. So again, whether that's in writing, whether that's regular discussions, whether that's those, call them water cooler or incidental conversations, I feel like that is one of the most important pieces for me. And I think always has been and always will be. It's about not just learning more about your particular business, but if you're into any kind of role where you're doing partnerships or relationship management, having that ability to communicate and to be communicated with is absolutely key. The other thing is, is that when you're trying to build something, as I often do, getting buy-in is really important. And the best communication that you can offer gives people what they need that opening, you know, to ask their questions or provide their input. And I feel that that's, you know it's about storytelling but it's also about getting input from people and so any kind of dialogue or two-way communication i would say is the most important thing the other piece that i'm noticing especially when dealing perhaps with some younger people who i'm now leading and i never thought of myself as getting you know to be mature enough to to be that kind of leader but you know here we are many years later where there's a real sense of wanting to know things and wanting to be included. And so flexing that communication is really important as a leader, I would say maybe even more than it was when I was coming up in my career.
0: Hmm. Oh, interesting. What is, can you maybe expand on that a little bit? What do they want to know about? Is it, Are they just more curious about the business or they want to be just kept in the loop?
1: I find I'm being asked why a lot. Mm. Why do we do something this way? Why do we, you know, why do we come into a new call it partnership meeting with a certain approach? Why do we have certain policies and procedures? And I think maybe I notice it because. I'm also very interested in why. I find if I'm doing something new, understanding the history, if there is any, is very useful. And maybe what Mm -hmm. I'm picking up on is other people who may feel the same way. And so being able to have that discussion Not only does it give them a sense of, oh, I can maybe better understand, but it opens the door. What else do I need to know? Sometimes a question begets another question, but also I find that leaves a lot of opening for me to learn from them. So they'll ask a question, why do we do something that way? Oh, doesn't that seem like too much work, or doesn't that seem like too time consuming or, or too many details. And that gets me thinking, oh, maybe we could refine this, maybe we could look at it a little more deeply. And and I find that that two way dialogue is where some of the great ideas for innovation, change management, and leadership really lie.
0: Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. And yeah, I can definitely see where having the continuing why and getting to the bottom of and fixing processes and improving processes can definitely come out of that
1: exactly exactly there's a moment once a day where i i sort of feel like the way i guess a lot of parents might feel when they're being asked why a million times But if I can suspend that, you know, moment of perhaps exasperation and say, no, there's a really good reason that this question has come up, let's deal with that as opposed to, and I don't always do it perfectly, but as opposed to just saying because, because, and (laughs) moving on, sometimes it opens the door for them to bring me an idea of how to do something better that I hadn't thought of.
0: Yeah, I guess because I said so, it doesn't really work in, in the work Not environment. Not often.
1: <laughs> Once in a while, you've got to pull that out, but it's something you want to keep a bit rare.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you about difficult communication? Do you have any pointers or tips or advice on how to approach a difficult conversation?
1: First of all, if there's a chance to get some actual training that never hurts. I've been lucky enough to be in a few organizations where I've had communications training, uh, or reading, there's a few books, you know, critical conversations or difficult conversations, there's a few places where you can get some research in and and find some resources. But I think the biggest thing, and I don't do this properly all the time, even, even this morning, I've run into what needs to, to be a difficult conversation that I have to go and have, you know, is to have them. And I think a lot of times women in particular are a little bit reluctant to have a difficult conversation. We're very concerned about how we come across. We're very worried about being liked. I think I've read three or four things just the last two days about likability and having a difficult conversation in our minds and in our training and our upbringing in this society particularly really tells us that having difficult conversations where you maybe have to give... Tough feedback, or you have to say no, or you have to perhaps apply some discipline uh, or take something away. You know, we shy away from that because we think, well, uh, you know, they won't like me and I have to be very careful and I have to tiptoe. Every time I've tried to tiptoe, it has definitely made it harder. Mm-hmm. I've had to go back and have the conversation again. So instead of just biting the bullet and doing the thing, I have to re-up that whole feeling of discomfort and, and that whole interaction. And I think having the conversations as, I would say, as politely, as respectfully, with as much calm as you can muster, you can't always, I get that. And really being incredibly civil is... The starting point, I think being nice is a little overrated. And I would say in my experience, a lot of male leaders haven't worried about being nice. But the more they've worried about being polite and respectful, the better it has gone.
0: Yeah. No, I love that uh, delineation between polite and nice or polite and respectful versus nice. Yeah.
1: You know, and if you can be nice, be nice, but I wouldn't worry. And I do this, and that's why I I say it is that sometimes I worry so much about being nice and I don't want to hurt the other person's feelings. But in fact, if I'm not clear because I'm trying hard to be nice, they still feel bad. We haven't gotten to the root of a problem and maybe missed an opportunity to improve something. Even if it's our relationship, or whether it's perhaps you know something that has, let's just say, a little bit more financial impact, you know, like a client relationship, yeah, you you don't you don't serve yourself very well to avoid. And I only say that because I have I have, and I'm sure I will again uh, avoid it, and I know the outcome isn't as good.
0: Yeah, and I, and I know it's really hard to do this, especially okay. if you don't have a lot of experience, but. It's really important to put a positive spin in your own mind because you're, you're not doing anybody any favors by delaying. I mean, you're really supporting that person's career and their opportunity to learn by giving them, you know, having that difficult conversation. So as long as you're being fair, I, I, you know, you need to go into it knowing that that's actually the, the kinder thing to do is to actually have the conversation
1: definitely you bring up the word fair and that's another really important piece there there are times when that's it's as hard to be fair as it is to be respectful but keeping that in mind to the to the best of your ability in in a moment that could potentially be a little bit fraught or emotional or heated again i don't succeed every time but i i do intend to try every time and it has helped me
0: yeah I love that. Would you be willing to share a failure that you experienced in your career as a leader, so others could learn from?
1: Definitely, I actually had one last week. Um, It's recent, and and I work with a a team. I have a, a great colleague who we spend a lot of time together speaking about how to talk about mistakes, how to talk about failures, and and talking about them and bringing them to light so that people can share and learn and and. Ask questions and see from example, we actually celebrate that together. And, and so I'm quite, I'm quite used to, to doing that. And I'm glad to, to talk about it. A couple of weeks ago, the person to whom I report was trying to get a point across. There's something that I need to do that in the end will actually be better for me and my role. I need to, I need to build something. I love building, but this one's a little tough because I can't really, I can't really be sure I'm doing it the right way because it's a net new endeavor so there's no template to follow I'm I'm making it up as I go forward and and that person was trying to explain to me a bit of a vision for a way to approach it and I was getting incredibly frustrated Mm -hmm. and I was not listening and I was doing a lot of yes but try Mm -hmm. not to do that as much as I used to bad old habits die very hard and I was not getting the message uh, to the point where that person was incredibly frustrated with me and it got a little bit emotional and I got very emotional and quite stressed and the conversation did not end well and I had to backtrack on that and and say listen you know I, I kind of broke down and and shut down and, and wasn't listening and had to admit. And then I brought that to my team and I said, look, I had a really terrible conversation where I failed to understand something. And I didn't ask the right questions. I didn't ask any questions. I don't think I just got very defensive. And I said to them, that wasn't the greatest thing. And if you cannot be me, then that's better because what ended up happening where the failure was, is that in order to, succeed at building this new practice that I'm I'm working on, if I do it well, I will get some more help. I will get some more teammates to share it with. If I just get defensive and don't listen to how to create a better structure and don't take any advice, then I end up actually overburdened alone for a lot longer. So it's a clear failure in the business if I don't pay attention to these cues and ask the right questions. So uh, live and learn on that one. I'm gonna try really hard not to do that again. No promises, but attempt and intent.
0: Well, I like what you said about sharing, regularly sharing failures with your team and appreciate one. I thank you for sharing that, by the way. Is that a culture that is instilled in your company that, you know, the whole concept of failing forward and learning from your mistakes and it's okay to admit mistakes, or is that something you've instilled in your team?
1: I think the organization and many organizations that I've worked for have that underlying I would say cultural uh, leaning to you know being open, being able to talk about your challenges, being able to bring them to teammates or coworkers or people you report to, and say, "I'm having a challenge. I'm having a problem. I, I'm running into failure." I've always believed in failure being probably the best lesson, and mm-hmm. and thinking about all you know the inventors who failed you know ten thousand times before they got the right thing that worked properly. You know the light bulb. And even further back than that, I would say it's a bit of a more new and fresh thing on my specific team where we are actively talking about it. And this comes a bit from the co-leadership that I get to do with some colleagues who bring that I would say perspective. I'm a bit more um, say I'll use the word mature again, and that that wasn't really a common thing in some of my previous roles and companies. Although it was open and communicative, it was not. Uh, let's talk about your failures. It was mm-hmm. sort of understood that you'd have them, though, and that nobody you know has to walk a plank for it. But really, actively talking about it. We had um, a younger person on our team just this morning, sort of have a bit of a moment of realization that something hadn't been done properly earlier and and they brought it up and we circulated an email congratulating them for for bringing it up.
0: Hmm. Oh, I love that. I, yeah, I wish I mean, I hope more companies do do that cuz I think it's only productive for for the companies.
1: Yes, very. And and also the feeling when you've made an error or you've chosen an an approach that hasn't worked or failed in a project or, or something like that. A lot of times people walk around thinking that's it. My life is over or I'm going to get fired or, you know, I'm never going to have a, an ability to bounce back from this. But when we go out and say, thank you for sharing that and congratulations for saying you learned something, and and that's great. I feel like that lifts that burden of negativity and fear from them also, so that then they're not afraid to keep trying. I mean, I'm working in in an environment where we're doing a lot of new things. And so if you don't keep trying, you, I would say, will probably fail more than if you actively try and fail.
0: Yeah. 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 And I, I think to anybody thinking, well, if we inc- if we celebrate people admitting their failures, won't they continue to fail? But that's really, I mean, it's just not it's not human nature to want to, no. continue, <laughs> to the fail just so you can get congratulated.
1: <laughs> no, and people will continue to fail if they continue to try. Yeah, that's yeah. an inevitability, I would say. Yeah, yeah.
0: So one of the things I know is on everybody's mind now is, especially as people are being asked to return back to the office, it's been an ongoing conversation about remote leadership, what's the best way or what, you know, how how to best lead remotely. There's like a balance of knowing what's going on with your team, but then micromanaging and checking in too much. I, I'm asking this question without knowing whether you really led remotely or you lead remotely. And I'm wondering if you have any personal tips for the people, because that's going to continue, even if there's a hybrid situation, it'll continue to be a situation for most leaders.
1: It definitely will. And I'm hybrid right now. When I came into the role I'm, I'm in, it was in the middle of the pandemic and I was fully remote and I would say, again, for me personally, it hasn't been that much of a stretch because we have this. Mm -hmm. When I started my career, it was the telephone and you couldn't share your screen if you were working on something and you wanted to bounce an idea. We didn't have a lot of the technology that we have today to make it easier to connect. I'm a person who doesn't really care when you get something done. If you need it done by noon on Thursday, then if you do it after you put your kid to bed or after you walk your dog or first thing in the morning, if it's done by Thursday noon, I'm not asking you when you were working on it. I'm hoping you're checking in if you're running into trouble. I would prefer not to, and I try not to do this to others, to let you know at one minute to noon that I was having trouble and never asked, and so I'm now late. Um, And if you're running into some kind of barrier or delay, I like to know about it. I've never been a, you know, bum in seat kind of worker or leader, but I do like, again, it goes back to the communication. Can we keep in touch? Can we have a regular, I would say some sort of regular touch point? Some of the teams in my organization are actively using agile methodology, I am not personally, but one of the tenets of agile is a regular stand-up. So, you know, a 10 minute check-in whether it's every day or every two days. And I'm using that now, I'm finding it works really well. We have some people on our team who actually don't even live within a close vicinity of the office because during the pandemic, a number of people decided, you know what? I don't really need to be in the office to do this job. And so I fully expect them to, participate, communicate and touch base. But where you are, I would say, is a little bit less important to me. I will just add though that going forward, the more that we continue to be hybrid, whether or not you have mandated days, whether or not even you have mandated full return to office, We're always going to probably need to consider the use of this technology and the use of some of the other digital communication channels, because now we are going to have people perhaps in different cities, perhaps in different time zones, perhaps someone is a little under the weather, they would normally force themselves to come into work, but they can, you know, recover a bit at home. Take it a little bit easy, but maybe still join a call. And so we'll always need to employ this, I would say, going forward, which I think is a good thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting that you said agile techniques because I always think of that as being more technology oriented. So, but you are you're not in technology, right? You are in... I'm not. Okay. No,
1: I'm in business development and and client success and relationship management but some of I mean some of the way that agile functions in terms of you know a two-week sprint to build a thing it doesn't necessarily apply although some of us sit in on those conversations with our more you know technical colleagues mm-hmm. but some of the you know some of the ways that work is planned and having those regular stand-ups where you can do a quick round table does somebody need something from someone else has somebody run into a problem or a discovery I find Those are incredibly useful, and we've been doing them for any number of of different kinds of initiatives, just sort of stealing a little, I would say, like a little tool from the toolbox.
0: Yeah, I like that. Do you have one-on-ones with your team?
1: Yes, we have one-on-ones. We have skip-level one-on-ones. We have, I would say, a lot of impromptu conversations, but we do try to schedule them, It just gives people a bit of a, I would say a a carved out space where they know if they have something they want to bring up or they want to just run through their schedule. I find one-on-ones are incredibly useful for those people who work very independently so they don't need me to bug them you know five times a day where are we with this where are we with that but if we have a carved out time where they can bring me up to speed or ask any questions i feel like it's a little bit sacred and and very useful for that also if you don't have a lot of work to talk about maybe that's 20 minutes where you can catch up with the human and mm. and keep that human connection going which is as valuable as you know going through a checklist
0: yeah i appreciate that you brought that up because that is a question that i got before so a lot of people have weekly one-on-ones and sometimes they'll get together with their their the person on their team and they're like well i didn't really have anything to talk about and they feel awkward And that was the feedback as well. Like it's, it's your opportunity to catch up with them personally. And then also of course, to gauge how they're, how they're generally feeling, which comes out of that conversation.
1: It does. It does. I try to come armed with a question or two, just in case, you know, and this is both for when I'm talking to my boss or when, when I'm talking to the people who report to me is. I try to have a couple of questions, sometimes work related, sometimes less work related, whether or not it's about a specific project. Oh, did you see the email about such and such an event? Or, you know, how is it going when you're talking to this client? Or, you know, even if it's a little bit adjacent to, again, the actual checklist. And sometimes then a conversation just flows. And I find in particular, my own one-on-ones with my boss are exceptionally helpful sometimes they are literally conversations about what's going on in the industry or or something that is changing within our organization in terms of maybe a different team is picking up some of uh, another team's work or something and and those conversations are just as valuable as him, you know, passing me a bunch of to do's or me saying, here's what I've done this week. And there's no real, I would say there's no real replacement, whether you have them virtually or on the phone or in person, there's no real replacement for those conversations.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree. I would love to hear a little more. My brain just kind of went back to what you said earlier about making up words. And I know you had mentioned a word in particular, I'd love for you to tell us about that word and a little bit about what you mean by it.
1: I I made up a word I did I figure that's, you know, my degree gives me the license to do it, whether or not that's the truth. A lot of people talk about Different ways of, I would say, interacting with one another. And it's, I would say, maybe in the last five years, a few keywords have come up. I've blended a couple of real big ones into one word. I like to think of it as authentic empathy. So authenticity plus empathy, empathy. I started to use it. People look at me kind of strange, but, but I, I've decided that for me, I need to, to put it together into one package. And the reason I do that is because again, I'm maybe a little bit older than some of the people who work on my team and they talk a lot about authenticity and Mm -hmm. empathy and I've been a little bit on edge with both of those words. Authenticity, sometimes I think people use that as I can show up however I want. I can just be myself course I was brought up in my career to absolutely not be just myself Mm -hmm. to be very careful with how I spoke and who I spoke to and in what context you know down to being told to wear pantyhose you know there was nothing authentic about any of of my training it was more about what was considered to be professional which I will also grant was a little bit gendered (laughs) uh, and not very and not very inclusive however some of that training has lingered and I would like to say I've kept the best of it so authenticity to me is not just you know be yourself and let it all hang out at all times and then empathy there have been a lot of conversations about empathy so so to me empathy is putting yourself in another's shoes some people would say that they would go so far as to say to feel another's feelings. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know about feeling another's feelings. I think you can ask about another's feelings, acknowledge their feelings, listen and 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 try to understand. But walking in another's shoes even can be a little bit difficult. You want to know what's in those shoes. You want to know what's in their path, but but it's really hard to put yourself in that place. So if I blend it into authent empathy, what I feel that does for me is it goes back to the communication, really. It opens up this ability in me to say, how can I be a real person, not all of my you know verbosity or my impatience or my frustration um or my loudness like that doesn't have to come out but I'm a real person and that person is a real person and they are maybe facing a challenge that I don't know about have you seen that that image it's a meme where you know it's like the iceberg and this is the piece you see and this is all yeah, under yes. the water that that person is experiencing so so to me authentic empathy is knowing that recognizing that that's the case for everybody not just me being a real person trying to understand but that also gives me a a way to say I also believe that there's some perhaps strenuous work or some difficult conversation or some timely task that needs to be accomplished and I don't have to be so empathetic that I throw all that out and I don't have to be so authentic that I'm not professional in the way that I want to show up but I'm a real person who who wants to be there for that other person I think you could shorten it down and just say caring Mm -hmm. But, I think some of those words mean a lot to to people and i and I don't want to disregard that either, so I put them in a blender
0: yeah that's that's great that's a great way to look at it. And a very interesting blend. When when I first saw the word, I was like, hmm, I didn't quite, <laughs> I couldn't, but you, it makes a lot of sense. And I agree with you about the authenticity. I, I mean, our model with Boss track is the authentic leader. So, I mean, we are all about authenticity, but authenticity can mean different things. Right. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you can just act however you want in in at work or just say whatever you want because they're one you have a company that you're running you have customers but also I mean you have to consider other people's feelings and you can't just like throw out the you know throw out anything that you want to without the kind of thinking so I, I don't think that exactly fits what you said but it's kind of in line and, I, and it makes a lot of sense.
1: It does. It It is in line. And I think I think just sort of stepping back from from what I think has become a bit of a buzzword, you know, gives you a moment to think about maintaining that level of respect and maintaining that level of understanding. And and the other thing that I think authentic empathy leads me to really think about is when I do mess up and again, you know, on a regular basis. But that the real part is the part of me that can say, okay, I messed up. And I can also go to that person and say, you know, I had a very frustrating conversation. I had a few minutes, I stepped away, got a drink of water. I was like, wow, I was, I was pretty defensive. So I was able to go back and say, listen, I'm going to cop to that. I was really defensive. That didn't go well. I kind of lost my thread. I want to get it back. And then the next time there was a conversation, the next time there was a meeting, it wasn't weird. It wasn't uncomfortable. You know, I feel very attached to I mean I'm not trying to be the Canadian sorry sorry all the time but I do think when you've messed up or or you recognize something that that apologizing and talking about it is the fastest way to get you know back to normal and so that also leaves me with I would say the open door to do that if I if I find oh I really need to do that
0: yeah yeah yeah. And for those that are very into the no sorry movement for women, you can actually go back and have these conversations without actually saying, I'm sorry. Absolutely.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but if, you've, if you've been defensive or if you failed to listen where it might've been interesting to get a perspective, or if you've said something in, in an emotional or a heated moment, and I, this goes for men too, you mm-hmm. know, acknowledging it and trying to and trying to get through it whether or not you're apologizing but but working through it however that looks for you I think is I mean really the only way is through
0: yeah I agree Can't pretend
1: it didn't happen I agree. in two days to somebody that you had that kind of a conversation with and it's going to start really weird you can deal with it before you get there then your next conversation will probably be a lot more productive
0: Yeah, completely agree. Yeah, there's, there's definitely a context there. And it's, it's important if you've done something to have that conversation. And if you really feel bad about saying the words, I'm sorry, and you can say I was wrong, you know, let's talk like, there are other ways to approach it. You talked a little bit about that iceberg where you're seeing, you're only seeing like a very small percentage of what people want to show you with that kind of leads me to ask about burnout and stress and especially being a leader and not being at the top. They're all levels of middle leadership. Um, You're always like in that middle, like you're, you know, you want, you want to do what's best for the company and do what's best for your team, but then you have different opinions above you. And I feel like sometimes, well, it's, it's somewhat of a struggle sometimes. Do you have any strategies for, I don't know, managing that stress or like, preventing burnout?
1: (laughs) Well, I have to say right now, um, I'm not doing the world's best job at managing stress or preventing burnout. I'm I'm in a bit of a, uh, I would say a bit of a edge of the burnout wedge because I'm building something new and because I'm creating a discipline and a practice in my larger organization that didn't exist in this way before. And it's been quite a while since anything like it existed. And so, and so I'm a person who feels like I must do all the things. And I also have a little bit, I don't have a very big team. I do have an extended team, but I don't have a lot of people that I can point to and just say, you do this task, see it in a a couple hours or tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel a little bit, I should do it myself. A lot of the time, I'm, I'm not really fond of passing something on to somebody if I can take care of it. And I offer to do a lot more than I probably should for my own good. However, I think there's a couple of things that I do that do help me. The first thing is I've identified a few, uh, call it work buddies, allies, uh, who I can kind of bounce these frustrations or questions related to the frustrations off of, and I'm there this for them the same way. So we can sort of take turns. Um, you know, I have one colleague who will send me a quick Teams message and say, "Oh my goodness, I just got off a call. I don't even know what to think right now. I I just I'm going to walk away and get a coffee. I can't even." Um, and so when I'm in that situation, I can send them a message and say. I'm going for a walk around the block, you know, see you in 10. And, and so having that, again, it's a communication thing, but having a couple of, you know, I would say ears available, Mm -hmm. more shoulders to cry on if need be, who you don't necessarily expect to solve your problem, but you can kind of get a little bit off your chest and in talking about it, sometimes you come to solutions. I am a person who has to exercise very regularly. It's a bit of a joke that if I didn't go to the gym, I, I might potentially end up in jail. Um, oh. Sort of a sort of a, a nasty, a nasty thought, but a place to kind of bust the stress a little bit.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and and the workouts are actually, it's kind of amazing. I find two things happen when I work out. The first is I actually bust the stress. So all of the physiological and neurological benefits of exercise that have been long proven, um, you know, you get your heart rate up, you you focus on something else for, for a bit of time, you get your blood flowing, all of that without a doubt, very beneficial, but depending on what kind of exercise I'm doing, sometimes I can let my brain work in the background and solve a problem, or I find this happens a lot if I need to write a presentation. How it will fall together, how the story will will hang, you know, in, in what kind of order, sometimes those come to me while I'm exercising. And from time to time, I retain that thought and I can like run back and like jot it down and, and keep that, keep that inspiration. And so, and so having people to talk to, having a bit of a, of a way or a place to bust stress is really important. I think the, the problem is right now, a lot of us are trying to be all things or most things to all or most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, women in particular are feeling this burden, I would say maybe even a little more since the pandemic.
0: Mm-hmm. Burnout
1: is a real thing and we're talking about it more. And so more people are putting up their hands and saying, yes, I felt that too when we felt we had to hide it. It feels like a bit of a another epidemic, but it's because mm-hmm. it's coming out in conversation. And I think saying that's how you feel is probably the first thing to, to do to manage it the longer I personally pretend I am fine. I'm fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. I'm great. It's fine. The worse I feel, the more likely I am to, you know, a little way down the road, have a bit of a blow up.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So not waiting until you're ready to blow up is probably another really important E because it's usually less bad if you Sort of, I think about you know, it's it's a bit like a pressure cooker, and if you let off a little steam once in a while, you're less likely to be like washing the ceiling later when the whole thing explodes.
0: (laughs) I agree that that's great advice. Yeah, burnout—that's a a topic that comes up quite quite a bit lately, and I, I can understand that. I mean, even especially when we all started working remotely and suddenly you couldn't get anything done because it was like back-to-back meetings until, you know, 6, 7 PM. And then it was like, okay, then you get whatever work or planning done after that. And some people were telling me they couldn't even take bathroom breaks or, you know, barely could grab something to eat. And I mean, hopefully it's changed somewhat since then, but I can really understand. We were already trying to do so much with so little. And now we have the economy where you have all these layoffs and again, yes. companies are trying to do more with less and it's just putting more burden on, on the teams and, and leadership. So I, yeah.
1: <laughs> it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. And I think, you know, we've, we've been very, I would say proactive on our team. And again, I recommend using that stand up or whatever it is. And, and I've come to believe that, that few minutes having the conversation where people think oh I don't even have time to talk to you for 10 minutes sometimes that 10 minute conversation is where you can solve for something or you can arrange to move something off a plate or or reprioritize so that something really important isn't like yet one more thing but maybe something else can move back in your schedule and so and so having those quick communication connections is where sometimes the I would say the glimmer of management uh, for that burnout and for that stress can come. I mean, my partner said to me yesterday, you're working a little extra hard, even for you Mm. right now. So I'm like, okay,
0: uh, that's a sign. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's great to have people around you that are that are taking care or keeping watch over you
1: yeah keeping watch although unfortunately the i mean the downside i guess this is just me being me is that i'm not actually able to i mean i recognize i'm i'm being observed but yeah. not actually sure i'm going to be able to stop or slow down but it is nice to know that mm. I'm not imagining that it feels like a little extra pile on, yeah. right? Because that's the other thing with with burnout. Sometimes I think part of what causes burnout is that we're also at the same time telling ourselves this narrative that we shouldn't be feeling the way we're feeling, that we should be able to handle it. Why? What is wrong with me? Why am I feeling so stressed? Instead of saying, yeah, you know what? There's a big pile on right now. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm feeling this way, where we kind of beat ourselves up for feeling stressed or feeling like something has to give or or we have to say no or forego something and and then there's guilt, and that I would say adds to the i would say weight of whatever is on the plate mm-hmm. instead of taking it away and so having some acknowledgement does definitely help in that regard,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. And speaking of uh, people looking out for other people, is there a mentor that you had in your career or have in your career that you could talk about that has made a difference for you?
1: I'd be happy to. I do have a mentor, although in some ways, I would say the way we talk, particularly about work, has changed over the years. It's someone I've known for a, for a few decades. Yeah. Uh, well, more than two and and it used to be very much sort of like industry mentorship it was someone I met through work who was very willing to say you know the thing about our industry is just like very sort of incidentally over a coffee and so I started to absorb and then I would say you know direct question like I I'm trying to do this project what what would you suggest now it's a bit different where it sort of evolved into a, a bit of a more like how are you doing how are you doing what's going on with you what's new kind of a kind of an exchange but that gave me a lot of inspiration to be that for others so Mm -hmm. again I think everything in my life sort of revolves around communication so now when I'm talking to sort of you know someone on my team or someone new to our organization or someone younger who's just coming up and I think of a thing that oh you know if I was in their if I was in their shoes I might find this really interesting, or I might find this useful. I can say to them, when you're working on a project like this, one thing I've seen happen is this, or do you want to tell me what's going on and see if maybe I have something that I remember doing that I can draw upon to share with you. And and so that inspired me to kind of pay it forward. Mm -hmm. We have an active mentorship structure within our organization and I now get to mentor and so I get to say now like is there's something you're working on that that you want to bounce off another set of eyes and, and be that person and I also do some volunteer career mentoring for new Canadians where I can help with things like interview prep and um, you know how to structure an assignment and that kind of thing so I feel like I got some really good training and and good inspiration to to be a mentor from having been mentored.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And I love that your company has a mentorship program because it seems to be, it seems not to be the norm, but you know, more companies, I seem seem to be putting that in place, so.
1: It just formalizes in such a way that maybe someone newer, someone, you know, coming up in their career, someone who's just started or someone who's looking to move into a different department, because we sort of say we have a program, even though it's not incredibly formal, there are formal meetings and and, and information sessions and that kind of thing. But because it's not incredibly formal, they can feel comfortable to reach out and ask a question if there isn't sort of under the guise of some kind of program or some kind of official sort of. I would say, nod from from senior leadership to do it. Sometimes they might feel a bit intimidated to ask. This way you can say here, mentors, you can pick up the phone and call them or send them a note. And it just, again, gives that, uh, I would say, open door so that then you can forge those relationships and they can be very formal where you meet regularly every couple of weeks or can just be someone can sort of have you on speed dial and anything in between.
0: Yeah, yeah, great. I'd love to switch gears a little bit. I know we're running out of time. So I would love to uh, ask. Well, I'd love to ask. I'm going to ask you <laughs> do you have a morning routine or a routine during the day that adds to your well being and being able to prevent burnout? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I love I love routines in general. I find having one is very helpful for me. It's, it's, uh, it's always been, I would say my whole life, even when I was a, a young person in school, but I get my workouts in very early. So whether or not I'm commuting, I have a very early alarm clock, it's usually still dark, and I get up and I'll do a workout first thing. I can't really exercise if I've already eaten. So it's the best time of day where I make sure it happens because if I wait later in the day, it doesn't happen. And then it sort of sets me up well for the day. So I've blown off a bit of steam, uh, gotten the blood flowing, I've broken a little sweat, and then I get ready and then I'm ready for my day. And I do that as many days as possible during the week, unless my body is telling me you absolutely must get that extra hour sleep or else everything goes out the window. Mm -hmm. I will do that pretty much every day.
0: Now, do you have any tricks for getting yourself motivated to go to the gym right away?
1: Well, I think I've done it for so long that it's almost part of the routine. That's the routine. You know, that's the, that's the routine part of the routine. I actually really love exercising for all of those reasons. And I have, I would say maybe a handful of times in my entire adult life felt worse after workout than I did before. Yeah. I've hardly ever regretted the workout. And so I know that, you know, the hour, whatever I put in, and then I can shower and put on some clothes and, and the rest of the day is mine. And it it keeps me motivated. I mean, I kind of bounce up a little bit early. I think I've messed up my circadian rhythm. So Mm -hmm. when the alarm goes off, I'm up, but, but it's also just what you read is true. If you put out your clothes and you put on your shoes and you go and you start and you say, I'm just going to do a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Once you're rolling, you can do whatever it is you plan to do, whether it's a half hour walk or a class or or anything. Once you get going, it's easier to keep going.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's so funny, the putting out the clothes. I talked to somebody recently who said they actually wear their gym clothes to bed so that (laughs) all they have to do when they get up is throw on their sneakers and get out the door. (laughs)
1: There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think whatever it takes, whatever it takes for you, you know, I've bought some of my gym clothes in multiples so that I literally just like grab out of the drawer, make a little pile. I try to get as much ready the night before if I'm commuting, you know, I have to have the bag and the, you know, and the laptop and everything ready. But if I do that, and I don't really offer myself an excuse, again, there's a rare morning where I'm, I'm sure that it'll be worse. And so I don't, but it's, it's few and far between.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, do you have a song that will pump you up when you need a confidence boost or a little energy boost?
1: Uh, well, it has to be pink.
0: Okay. Um,
1: <laughs> I would say I'm a very big fan. There's a couple of songs. It depends on what kind of energy boost I need. So if it's just for energy, I would say "Raise Your Glass" is probably one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, it would definitely be on the karaoke list if I had to have a karaoke list, but if I need some work motivation, I would say wild hearts can't be broken or I am here or I'm not dead. I feel like there's a theme, um, (laughs) but, but any of those, uh, definitely, definitely give me a bit of a jolt.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. You can't go wrong with pink (laughs) for sure. Um, and do you have something that you've bought uh, in the last year or so, maybe around a hundred dollars or less, that has made a difference in your life in some way.
1: So it's less than a hundred dollars a month. It's probably more than a hundred dollars in the year, but I've been subscribing to Less Mills on demand. So I was talking about the workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, It's uh, an app with all of the Les Mills classes. Les Mills is out of New Zealand. It's a gym, but they've created this entire class structure where there's yoga and weights and spinning and kickboxing and aerobics. And you can pick a class from this gigantic menu. And so no matter where I am, if I've got my earbuds and my phone or my tablet, I can... Do a class and sometimes a class for me. So I say, Oh, I'm very motivated to do the workout. But if I'm watching a class, even if it's on video, someone else is counting, someone else is remembering to, you know, change to your right from your left and vice versa, and, and be even um, someone else is shouting words of encouragement. And I think that's probably the best investment I actually started during the pandemic while i was working out in my garage but i kept my subscription and i think it's probably the thing i spend money on uh that is the most worth
0: it. Oh, that's a good one. That's a great one. Thank you. That's
1: it's the best. It's the best <laughs> highly recommended if you want to uh if you want to have a lot of choice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is there a book that you've read recently or not so recently that has made a difference in your career or it could be fiction that you would recommend to the audience?
1: I try to read as much as I can. I have a few books on the go, actually. I would say probably... There are a few. There are a few that I've started that I'll pick through. But I would say that anything written by Brené Brown has really made a difference. I sort of feel like she's talking directly to me, Uh, and and so understanding how to be courageous, how to be vulnerable, how you can be those things and still be a leader. I feel like she's very modern in her approach. She's speaking really to women, but not only to women. I don't. Mm-hmm. Feel like this is just like uh how to how to be a lady boss or whatever you know there's none mm-hmm. of that but but I feel like everything she's written that I've read has had something useful that I could take away and apply later
0: yeah 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 again Brene I I like to say that this is like her fan club podcast because I think
1: I know uh, we all say that we all say that <laughs> But if there's a, if there's someone who's inspiring, there's.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't know. I mean, she deserves it. And it's not always, it's not the books. It's like, just, I mean, I think the last podcast I recorded, I I mentioned one of her quotes. So, I mean, exactly. it's just <laughs> you can't not. And when you're talking about leadership and especially vulnerability and authenticity and empathy, like there's no way she cannot come up and uh, got to start trying to like, hold my tongue from.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know what, though, if you know, it's funny, because I feel like there was a time when the kind of inspiration that people took for business and leadership was that very sort of like hard nosed, extreme capitalist, um, you know, at all costs kind of approach. And I think that that doesn't serve us well. It certainly doesn't speak to younger people at all. And so she's brought these ideas forward at a really important time.
0: Yeah, definitely. So to close out, you are officially in our audience's hype squad. Is there one last piece of advice or piece of inspiration that you would leave with everybody?
1: Well, I think first of all, that having... Hype Squad having these I would say channels where we can talk to each other and meet one another and and get to know one another I think it's probably the most valuable and and incredible environment I didn't really think we would ever have something that is this I would say close to us but I think what I would say is I know it's really hard I know it's really hard to keep going but as i said before the only way is really through and if you can keep going i know i'm going to try to keep going and 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 i'm not saying you know push through the pain and agony till till you drop but but if you can keep going i find energy begets energy and and we can support one another and and i would say to anyone who's just like ready to fall over pick up the phone Send a note, DM, you know me or or someone else that that you you know who who can give you a pep talk or or listen to to a challenge that you're having and and then just keep going because forward is way better than turning around and retreating um, yeah. in my books.
0: Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned this, but if the audience does want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to LinkedIn.
1: Find you? LinkedIn. LinkedIn is, I would say it's my favorite, uh, my favorite social channel. I, I spend a lot of time there. So much information. The connections are great. I know people are using it a lot for, for sales purposes, but I'm finding that that's where a lot of the, the people I, I want to talk to most are kind of hanging out. So that's where I can be
0: found. Okay, and your, so your LinkedIn is? uh, It's Andrea Shaken, yeah. It's just your name without any numbers. Okay, (laughs) great.
1: Yeah, I didn't put, I didn't, I've been on LinkedIn so long, I didn't need to put any numbers. So, (laughs) you know, I was, I was, uh, I was before there were a a million people on it, or however many million people are on it. So yeah, (laughs) yeah, you could just find me by my name.
0: Great. Well, thank you. Thank you, Andrea. I really appreciate you coming on and sharing like your, your such valuable advice and experience and the vulnerability and the stories that you shared. I know that everybody is has has to have learned something from this conversation. So I appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much, Michelle. I appreciate you having these conversations always gives me a lot of energy and and makes me think of of more questions that I want to ask too. so so thank you. I really appreciate it.
0: Great. Well, thank you. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day.
1: Thanks so much. You too.
0: All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hi, everyone. This is Michelle again. If you enjoyed this conversation, hit subscribe so you don't miss out on our weekly episodes. And if you're really feeling it, please leave a review. We'd love to have your support. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter where we share things we're excited about, things we found funny or inspiring, and must-read leadership videos and articles we came across that week. You can subscribe by going to www.thebosstrack.com forward slash weeklyjoy. That's www.thebosstrack.com forward slash weeklyjoy. Drop in your email and you'll get the very next one. Thanks for listening.